passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind a Raw. It's John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting. How are you tonight, Wei? Doing pretty well, John. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing well. We had lunch today. How about that? Yes, we did. Yes, a rare case of you and I eating lunch along with our friend Damian Abraham. Yes, uh, you made uh, you made an offer. I, I just I just I would have been an asshole if I if I said no. You're like, hey, I'm we're gonna eat lunch next door to you. Be nice if you could come by. <laughs> It was incredibly convenient for you. Yeah, you really had no answer, but yes. Well, it was uh, it was nice to see you. It's nice to catch up with one uh, Damien Abraham and learn uh, what's going on in life, in the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, always. Yeah, I got to hang out a bit with Damien after, afterwards, too. Um, got a nice tour of his basement that's just really full of, like, incredible stuff. And not just, like, records, but, like, wrestling stuff as well. So, um Always nice to spend some time with him. Uh, so coming off of Revolution, uh, we did not have a post-daily news show on Monday. We will be back on Tuesday, live at, at 1 Eastern. I know we, we tease people, but uh, the news <laughs> show will return on Tuesday. Uh, and we'll do a catch-up on all of the kind of major news coming out uh, of today and uh, go through, through some ratings notes and uh, whatever else is going on. I did want to ask, did you get a chance to see any of the, the comments from uh, anyone at the uh, the post-show uh, media availabilities afterwards with AEW. Yeah, just from reading, honestly, I didn't go back to rewatch it at all. I, w- I wouldn't say there was anything um, really earth shattering. I would say the key points would be Tony Khan. I mean, he was asked numerous times about Ring of Honor, and it, it doesn't sound like he is just trying to avoid answering questions. It seems like this is very much a process that is in the midst of developing of what uh, Ring of Honor is going to be. I mean, he did go so far as to state that he would be booking this and that he plans to continue the operations of ring of honor. But obviously uh, the distribution is going to be uh, a big part of that. And I mean, really giving no kind of guidance in terms of what the, uh, what kind of distribution ring of honor is going to have. There were questions about the state of honor club. Like it really does feel like he has bought this with a large goal in mind, but all of the specifics are probably being figured out now i mean this was an exceptionally busy week for a guy that is probably has many busy weeks but with the pay-per-view out of the way i'm sure ring of honor is going to be a a major priority for him yeah yeah it it probably all came together relatively quick and questions like you know whether or not um you're going to continue operations as a full company and, and tv deals and whatnot i mean that takes a lot more time and effort 
than I think what you can pull together in a, in a, a week. You know, but he's booking it. He's uh, he's adding that to the plate. I don't know how he has room on the plate, but he's going to make room. I mean, I, I think it's amazing what you can accomplish when you really enjoy what you're doing, and clearly he loves doing this. So that's probably how. Yeah, and then uh, CM Punk also uh, sp- spoke to the media. I mean, he was some like like very emotional uh, in just kind of the entire process of that day, and I mean, like in tears, talking about just the experience of the day and talking about the footage for ring of honor. Like it means a lot to him that Tony Khan has it as opposed to WWE and feeling like he compared it. Like this is as though I'm giving my baby to someone to raise. That's what he feels about um, this footage. He said, I loved my time in ring of honor and it's, I prefer it being here with Tony Khan than going on the WWE network and kind of, you know, shared his frustrations at the time in 2014 as one of the, perhaps only people on the roster that was questioning that, you know, a lot of our payoffs are discretionary, like pay-per-view payoffs and, you know, different residuals and such merchandise payoffs. But one thing that they, they were able to get was, you know, DVD payoffs. And if everything's going on the network and your, your pay-per-view payoffs, that's going to be affected. And he says to this day, he gets royalty checks and he saw them diminish. And the fact that the talent is, not you know really privy to, or at least they uh, of the contract that that he was part of and i'm sure reflects on many of the contracts that it's it's kind of it's like discretionary uh, payouts and that does become an interesting topic about you know when i think it's only a question of when not if AEW gets involved in a streaming deal about talent and what what are they going to kind of fight for in a company that is emerging and talent that you know, historically, we just look at all of these incredible television contracts that the talent, it's its the hope that you'll see a trickle-down effect and it'll improve contracts, but nothing that is guaranteed. Like, we, the talent, get, you know, 15% of this. That does not exist in wrestling. It does not exist in MMA. And we're talking about just, like, ridiculous sums of, of money that is being ex- exchanged. Certainly, yeah. I it's a question. It's it's a topic that was brought up by Punk that I I, I have to wonder whether or not Tony Khan. Um, I know he was in a way like I think you know complimenting the fact that oh Tony Khan bought this instead of the WWE. But I don't know how 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 positive and or um or how happy Tony is that CM Punk brought it up because inevitably you're going to be using that same microscope that he was using on the WWE on Tony, and um. I mean, I, in the end, the man is a business owner. He's buying all the stuff to make money. And, you know, sometimes that conflicts with perhaps what is fair. Yeah, it's 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 a larger topic. And the specifics of how something like that would work, it's it's really tough. Like, is somebody that just instantly signs with AEW, would they be entitled to something like that? The idea of this actually be like talent all coming together and really fighting for something like that. I think that in and of itself is a that's that's a giant hill to climb that historically we we have not seen. But anyway, uh, interesting topics that were uh, brought up nonetheless and concluded that Bret Hart was always right and that it's Punk would give up this this comeback, this return if if he could give Bret that that same return and that all of these talents that get to go over to Saudi Arabia and make millions of dollars, that should be Bret Hart because Bret Hart was the greatest. He was. He was one of them. Yeah. Um, 
as we go into Raw tonight, um, we have a bit of a clear picture of WrestleMania. And I guess the main thing coming out of Raw tonight, we'll go through the whole show. But the big thing here is uh, Steve Austin's involvement and the angle to close the show with Kevin Owens challenging Steve Austin to come on the KO show at WrestleMania. And this was like a very interesting way that they uh, phrased a lot of this and positioned this because, you know, the graph right down to the graphic, you had pretty much the promotion of Steve Austin appearing on the KO show. But then you had Corey Graves stating it's been 19 years. So it's almost like it's, they're trying to tease the fan at home that is he going to wrestle while also having the deniability of staying, we never said that. We're we're promoting this as just an interview segment, which I think that is where everyone sees this as going as being more so of a of a confrontation rather than a match. And does that matter to, to fans at home? Does it matter to fans at home? Um I think if you they promote something involving Steve Austin that is substantial enough, fans are going to be somewhat interested. You know, clearly they probably wanted this to be a full on match. And for whatever reason, up until this point, um, one of the parties involved, probably Steve Austin decided against it. Um, but that's not going to stop them from promoting this as if it was like a match or at least something that, you know, demanded maybe a bit more physicality than I think we're used to than just the talking segment. Um, so I, because- it's so funny that, I mean, like really what it comes down to is like, okay, Owens is going to come out. He's going to cut down Texas. He's going to cut down Austin. You're going to come out giant pop. You're going to come into the ring and then you're going to attack Kevin Owens. Can we just ring a bell? And then you do your, your attack stunner. It's two minutes. It's over. Like that's what we're talking about here. Ringing a bell. I mean, pretty much, yeah, but um, I don't know. Again, it's it's probably up to Austin and, you know, how much he wants to ha- – is he somebody who cares about how what his record looks like, you know, whether or not an officially recognized match occurs? Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But um, I, I think at the very least, you know, you had Kevin Owens here tease some sort of physical confrontation – which again is more than we've had with Steve Austin in 19 years. It's going to be tricky hearing the announcers try to promote this as if it was something special beyond just a KO show appearance. But um, I, I mean, they're that's what they're trying for. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of the uh, the balancing act of this is um, giving it the the illusion of this big showdown that. Uh, I mean, Austin has done plenty of these, but um, doing it in such a way that, you know, maybe for, for some people, it's just the idea of, of a big appearance with Steve Austin in some meaningful segment that that will matter. I think if you were promoting this as a traditional match, that would take uh, that that would have the a lot more gravity to it because mm-hmm. you would have uh, just the, the significance of Steve Austin, who has not wrestled all of these these years. But um, you're, you're guaranteed, uh, you know, an appearance, physicality a stunner at the end mm-hmm. and a crowd that's probably going to go nuts for, for this segment and, and it, a guy in Owens that is probably the perfect person for that, that type of role. Oh, he always was. I mean, the guy did the move anyway, but also like what a professional that you can rely on, not just to, you know, do the physicality with somebody who's um, a retired, you know, person at this point, but to build the story up on his own. But um, yeah, we'll, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see if uh, Austin makes any TV appearances leading up to it. And uh, I would think you that, would you put him on TV beforehand or would you save it for the, the one big appearance at, at Mania? Hmm. I feel like you need something. You know, we just reviewed the uh, the rock, 
and, and uh, doing the the special hosting stuff ahead of that WrestleMania with the, the Miz and John Cena, and I mean that entire build was really centered around The Rock. Um, so I feel like some element of him appearing, uh, interacting with Kevin Owens, it will probably help you know drive a bit more interest, especially if you're going to have a physicality tease attached to it. You're not really giving out you know like the the main thing by just having him appearing on Raw. Um, so. You know, I, I get the sense they're really just kind of under-promising and then choosing to over-deliver rather than the, the other way around. Yeah, and I, I would guess, like, of the major things at WrestleMania, the remaining questions we have, um, so they've announced Pat McAfee and Austin Theory for, for the second night, and um, what involvement Vince McMahon has at, at this point. It seems like, just based on how they're building it, that, like, Austin Theory was always going to be involved in this match. The original idea was just... Vince versus McAfee and whether Vince is like inserted into the match. I think certainly he is going to have um, an involvement for sure in this angle, but we will see how that progresses probably on, on, on SmackDown because you want to get that uh, solidified and whether they go the singles route with Vince kind of just uh, in theory's corner or Vince actually in the match. And then the other, I guess is Seth Rollins who does not have a partner or, or an opponent as of yet. And, and where you go in that direction with Rollins who is kind of, on an island at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there are rumors that he he was to be a a, a, a potential partner with Cody. Um, doesn't look like he's going to be in the, involved in the tag team mix with Owens being busy with the Steve Austin thing. So, what where does that leave Seth Rollins? I, I think it really comes down to like, do they do they get a deal with Cody or do they not? I would think like that's that's your last remaining guy of someone of significance that you could put with Cody and if if in fact Cody is not coming then I don't know where you fit Rollins into this maybe he just gets slotted into something in this Owens uh Austin thing um because there really isn't or or he's just going to have something that is in there you just are going to sandwich him into something that might not be um the most uh not not a big thing for WrestleMania cuz I I don't know what what other options you you have like creative ideas that you can come up with. I mean, we're three raws away from WrestleMania. You know, is that, I mean, can, can we still be expecting anything involving Cody at this point? I would say uh, it's, it's crunch time. I would say like you, like next week you, you do have raw in Jacksonville. Like if you were to put everything together, that's the raw to shoot the angle for, but you're right. Like they, it's, it's kind of, you, you got to lock things in now and yeah, you don't have a whole lot of time. So I would say this, this next week is, is pretty critical about whether um, that deal is, is finalized or if it's, if it's not going to be, uh, we, we've got to put all of our pieces in place for WrestleMania to ramp up the kind of last leg of promotion because we still have tickets to move and want to have cards to promote on. It's very clear. They want to have the, the matches listed for, for both nights in advance. Mm Hmm. So going into tonight's show, we have uh, Cleveland, Ohio, the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse uh, was the home of Raw tonight. And it started off with the angle uh, involving Lesnar and Reigns from Madison Square Garden. So uh, this featured uh, Reigns being attacked with a chair shot by Reigns and ended up bleeding after being hit with the steps and hit with a rock bottom onto the steps as Reigns posed for the belts. And I loved how the promotion in the lead up to all of this was that Brock is not going to get through the garden because he's going to have to defend his title. There was like, I don't think there was any even mention of who Lesnar beat 
on this show and this this uh, risky title defense that he was going to have to make on Saturday, which blew my mind at what they came up with in the end, which was Austin Theory taking on Lesnar and losing in about 90 seconds and then doing this angle afterward. And mm-hmm. I just, I don't know how you, you go to this length to promote this and the idea that fans bought tickets based off of this, this title defense and that was what we gave you. When, I mean, Seth Rollins was just thrown to the wolves on this very same show, losing to Reigns in five minutes. The next night you had Reigns beating Drew McIntyre. I think either of those uh, would have been more sufficient than Austin Theory, where at least do like eight, nine minutes and Lesnar wins that way. I mean, I, I don't know how you arrive at this is the satisfying end unless they just figured, hey, we're giving them a big angle. They'll, they'll be happy. They're going to get an angle at the end. Perhaps, yeah, who knows, you know, but I, I can say, I mean, I think I, with that match being what it was, probably the less said about it, the better. Um, I mean, to me, it, it just kind of feels like, hey, like we've moved past this. We've got the people in the, the, the building that we were going to. Um, let's just kind of forget it. It didn't happen so that the next time um, we could try again. What if you had bought tickets on like Friday? You heard all this hype. You know what? I'm, I'm going to buy some tickets. Do you, do you think you at the end of it, you would have said, hey, I got a wrestling show out of it. I had a good right. time. I don't know how the rest of the show was. So, you know, possibly. I mean, they they can say that they never falsely advertised because they did not announce an opponent for Brock Lesnar. You did technically get a Brock Lesnar match. Uh, was it of the caliber that, you know, felt like a accurate replacement for Bobby Lashley? Of course not. Um, but you know, it's... that's, that's some fine print justification. <laughs> hey, we gave you a change. match. We gave you a match. We mm-hmm. didn't tell you it was going to be uh the Brooklyn brawler or anything. It was a quality WrestleMania level opponent. So, uh, that was, that was showing on the show. Uh, no Lesnar on this show. So Owens and Rollins are out and they explain their plan to take the tag titles at WrestleMania and, or tonight to go to WrestleMania and then have to compete in the dump. That is Dallas, but they're willing to make that sacrifice. And Kevin Owens says, at least I'll be with my best friend, Seth Rollins, and continues to insult Dallas and says it sucks, just like Shorty G and Otis. Did he say Shorty G? He called him Shorty G here. Oh, okay. Ouch. Alpha Academy comes out and says that last week's outcome was erroneous when they lost the match to Owens and Rollins. And then Kevin Patrick, in his first of, I want to guess, 25 interviews he conducted on this show, Asked Riddle if he had any final words. The final word was tubular. And he said that tonight is the most important night in RK Bro's career. Orton gave the big rallying speech fired up about winning tonight. So Alpha Academy, Owens and Rollins against RK Bro for the Raw Tag Titles. The winning team gets to go to WrestleMania. The champions get to go to WrestleMania. To do what? We don't know. But they get to go to WrestleMania. And that's, that is the theme of this show. You just want a spot on the card at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's no DQ, no count out, one member from each team legal at all times. And this was like a four segment match. It went 27 minutes. And I mean, it was leaps and bounds. The, uh, the best match on the card. We saw Otis uh, missing a Vader bomb to riddle uh, the audience. Man, did they get into the hot tag to Randy Orton? This place went nuts when Riddle finally tagged him. And Orton comes in, does his usual um, hot tag, and hits double draping DDTs to Gable and Rollins. Gable stops an RKO and gets sent to the floor, avoids a stomp, and then Randy hits the RKO, but Owens pulls Orton out. 
Owens and Gable then get dumped onto the desk. They lift and drop Otis. Uh, this does not br- uh, break the desk. And we see Elf Academy with a splash moonsault combination. Otis is thrown into the post. There's a Tower of Doom with Gable taking the worst of it. All six are in the ring brawling. And Owens does a dive off the top to the floor. And then we see (laughs) the closing sequence that sees Gable set up for a moonsault on Riddle. Randy comes over. And as Gable hits this moonsault off the top, he moonsaults his way into an RKO. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean, the man's record for um, doing this sort of highlight reel out of nowhere spot is is impeccable. It's really perfect. You can count on him to do it every single time, and it was picture perfect here. And some of the best ones that I can think of are ones he has done live, like not on a tape show either. Oh, like yeah. the Evan Bourne one, mm-hmm. um, that great Rollins one at WrestleMania 31. I mean, there, there's been plenty of them, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. this was another very, very creative one. Rollins and Owens then attack Orton and Otis with super kicks. Buckle bomb, stunner, and then a stomp. But Riddle throws Rollins out, and Riddle gets the fall on Gable. So RK Bro win the tag titles. Owens and Rollins are just heartbroken. Owens is sitting by the steps in despair. Rollins is a, in a trance, just walking up the stage like a zombie. And as RK Bro celebrated, and I thought it was like a real cool contrast here. Like Randy Orton being happy is not an emotion you ought often see from the man and mm-hmm. you just had this group that was so elated and then these other two that were so effectively selling the loss like how devastating uh, this was to lose so uh, it, it was a really entertaining match again this took up most of the first hour of raw and we got a title change i thought it was a hell of a match you know rollins and owens are absolutely amazing i mean this could have been the end of their team which i think you know, I hope it's only temporary because as a babyface tag team, anytime they've wrestled as babyfaces, it's really been absolutely just such a treat to watch on this show. Uh, it's a shame that, you know, the story hasn't really been pushing them to receive those sort of reactions. Um, the hot tag to Randy Orton, for whatever reason, I mean, it's the same thing every single time with RK Bro, but it works every single time. And an incredible RK Bro, uh, RKO spot on top of it as well. Chad Gable in this match looked tremendous as well. So this was a fantastic match, um, and I felt absolutely worth watching. Yeah, and they definitely played off of the, the outcome last week with the Street Profits winning. You could see them in the tag title match and maybe Alpha Academy as well. Uh, yeah, I can certainly see that. And yeah, I guess not so much Owens and Rollins anymore. So, I mean, you know, Alpha Academy, I, I suppose they, what, because they're the champions, they have a rematch clause, and then Street Profits beat RK, RK Bro last week. Yeah. That's the justification. Yeah, that's that to me is probably the, the direction you go. Um, it was interesting because I think like Orton and Rollins, or sorry, Orton and Riddle, um, you know, they, they obviously see like there there's a lot of value of keeping these these two together. I also think it's too soon to do a breakup to in and, and, and you know, turning around right into a match, you know, in four four weeks time. Uh, for me, like if they're gonna do the turn, why not do it on the biggest stage? Um, yeah, I think at some point you have to go that direction and I I, I think you wanna see that advancement for the riddle character. And um yeah, we'll see if they decide to pull that trigger anytime soon, or if they're just comfortable keeping these two together in this, in this tag division. So that was the start of the show. And then RK bro um, celebrated in the ring. Randy got on the microphone and just said how he's been doing this for more than 20 years, but he's never been having as much fun as he is now with riddle. 
and I'm going to say the F word on TV. This man's my friend, and I wouldn't do this with anyone else because I don't have any other friends here. Great, great foreshadowing. I mean, shit. Like, I think we're getting that term relatively soon. That's There's your video package, uh, voiceover. Mm-hmm. And then Owens is reeling in the back from the loss, and we follow that with Dana Brooke in her hometown of Cleveland out with Reggie to take on Tamina for the 24-7 title. Earlier in the day, Dana gave Reggie or got Reggie to give her a good luck kiss, so then Tozawa wanted to give Tamina a good luck kiss, so she grabs him by the throat and kisses him against the garage door, and he says, that's a lot of luck. I thought, I thought Tozawa was pretty funny here. Graves thinks that Dana is in for some hometown humiliation and says that with all these good luck kisses, Cleveland hasn't seen this much superstition since Joe Boo. For you fans of Major League out there. Mm. Serrano. Okay. There's a Boston Crab on Dana. She broke out, hooked the legs, and pinned Tamina in a minute 44. The match really, uh, you know, not much, not much to talk about. It really was just a formality to tell their biggest story, which is this um, incredible dueling romance based around kissing. Yes, Tozawa gets on the microphone and says that Dana cheated, and states Tamina is the winner. He is the love of his, she is the love of his life, and she seems touched by this. And he closes his eyes and puts his arms out, and Tamina just leaves him and goes to leave. The crowd's chanting, "Kiss him!" So she blows a kiss. And he caught it. Yes, yes, yes. You know, for a 24-7 bit, I feel like this is a bit more amusing than the norm, which is typically just them running around aimlessly in a loop. This, I feel, at least is a bit of a different direction. Um, and it's probably one of the few significant things that Tamina nor or Tozawa have had in years in this company. So um, they need this. The bar is exceptionally high when we look at the um, the... the the career span of uh, Tamina and, and Tozawa in this company. So, so she only kissed him before for the idea that it was going to help her win this, this prestigious championship. And mm-hmm. afterwards there was no reason to kiss him, but she did. Well, it. I mean, they're, in, she, they're in love. Are they in love? Why, why didn't she kiss him after? Well, she's playing hard to get. Tozawa's in love. Okay. Yeah. Tozawa's in love. Tamina wants this championship. I mean, I think there's some attraction there. All right. Well, I'm at the edge of my seat. Patrick is with Rollins, and his right eye got busted up during the match, and he doesn't respond to any questions. He's in a trance, and, I mean, Kevin Patrick's questioning was, uh, you must be devastated uh, knowing that you're going to miss WrestleMania, and he's just getting angrier and angrier. And I will say this. I think as, like, an overall theme for the show, you have Mm -hmm. all your talent trying to get onto the card. I have no issue with that. But this is also a card that you're kind of telling your audience that, you know, these stars, they're not at the level of like a Johnny Knoxville or a Logan Paul. Uh, th- these people who have their mm-hmm. spots. And here is a Seth Rollins um, that is just clinging to try and get a spot o- on the card. So I think you have to kind of separate th- those two. You do, yeah, of course. I mean, that that's provided anyone even thinks like... Subconsciously, sure. Like, does it tell you that maybe? But why is Seth having such a trouble? He can't get booked on either night, and you got Johnny Knoxville on 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 one of the nights. Well, I, I mean, I guess I guess WrestleMania has always had sort of like that requirement of, of celebrities and celebrities getting some sort of shortcut in there. You know, um, it's it's spectacle. It's a show that's based around celebrity and not rankings. 
Well, maybe that's what Rollins needs to do. Maybe he needs to go out and, and get a movie deal and then yeah, come back. That would help. Good movie, the, so hopefully. The Miz comes out and the crowd is cheering for him and he calls Cleveland awesome. And he brings out Logan Paul. This dude, he comes out, he's drinking his energy drink and dressed like a billboard for his brand. There is nothing mm-hmm. subtle here about uh, this man and, and what he is uh, pushing. He's honored to be Mrs. Partner and to be back in Cleveland. The crowd was way more receptive to Miz than they were Logan Paul. They were like, we'll, we'll take the Miz, but Logan Paul can get fucked. He shouts out his high school buddies and finishing fifth in the state on his wrestling team. The Miz says that he and Paul earn their success on their own. You, <laughs> you weren't handed your YouTube channel. Unlike Dominic, who was handed a contract because of Ray and says Ray has earned the right to be beloved, but doesn't know why Ray gets cheered over Miz because both of us have accomplished the same things. And Dominic is riding his father's coattails. And then they bring out Jerry Lawler in a Cleveland Browns jersey and gets a strong reaction and notes when he used to live in Ohio, all the different cities in Ohio that he lived in. And being here in 1964, when the Browns won the championship and then asks about Cleveland hosting WrestleMania one day, and Miz is being a realist here. He doesn't think Cleveland's going to host a WrestleMania. It's not a WrestleMania city. They couldn't even handle the pyro here. And I don't even live here anymore. Everyone leaves this city, like the Browns going to Baltimore, Odell Beckham Jr., LeBron after he won a championship here. Cleveland will never host a Super Bowl. It's never going to host a WrestleMania because winners leave Cleveland. And the crowd was just pissed by the end of this. So mm-hmm. this was uh, quite the way to uh, involve Jerry Lawler for whatever reason. I guess he was uh, he was available. So I guess he, he was, was around. I mean, they needed some loose affiliation to, to Cleveland. And Jerry Lawler spent some years there. Um, I believe he's he's I believe that he's a legitimate Browns fan, but like uh, I, I don't know, could they not have found somebody who actually lived there still? Stepe, Stepe Miocic should have been brought out here. I guess maybe maybe that's not a, a big enough name uh, to a to a WWE audience, but okay, whatever. Uh, they use Lawler pretty much just Machine because. Gun Kelly. They got to push that video game on Friday. Wow. Okay. I don't know who'd be hated more, Logan Paul or Machine Gun Kelly. If That's a, that would be a lot up. of hatred. Yeah, between those two, that'd be the showdown. Yeah, but I mean, overall, like it's 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 a Miz type of program. You know, I thought he managed to get a, a lively reaction from this crowd and put some put some decent attention to that Mysterio match. Yeah, I I thought this was more building up to uh, the Miz fighting. You know, Cleveland. Um, the Mysterios were kind of just. Uh, I mean, they weren't even in the the segment, but yeah, it was. I guess utilizing these two in Cleveland. So there you mm-hmm. go. Uh, Patrick interviewed Braun Breaker and Tommaso Ciampa. It's Braun's first appearance on Raw. He's going to make the most of this opportunity. This man was ramped, amped, I should say. Oh, yeah. Very, very excited. Uh, they noted Gable Steveson winning his third Big Ten championship. And then the Street Profits are asked about not having a match at WrestleMania. And they still have four weeks. And note that we beat RK Bro last week. So we're next in line, which is f- sound logic. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. You know, so this is really interesting. Last week, was that supposed to be the finish when uh, Orton got hurt? It's a great question. Um, I, d- I don't know. It, like, clearly Randy was hurt at the end, uh, but he was able to work the, the house show on Saturday and then tonight. So whatever it was, was not serious enough. But yeah, it, it's an interesting question if that was the original finish. Now, you can say, based on tonight's outcome, that 
oh, it makes all the sense in the world that the Street Profits win and then RK Bros winning the tag titles and it sets it up. That rarely is how WWE programs get booked mm-hmm. and especially Randy taking the fall, which yeah. um, I, I think would at least give some credence there that that finish might have been an audible. Right. And, and did that finish have any imp- impact on them going the route of continuing uh, RK Bro as champions or, or giving them the titles? Um, I think that probably had more to do with um, your, your direction for Rollins and Owens, I would say, because I would say if, if any of this stuff fell apart, that's probably what you default to, to those two. And instead, I, I think they probably, well, we know what they have planned for Owens and getting the tight titles onto RK bro. And now you do have this story now with, with the street profits. So I wouldn't say it's a big program for mania, but it's something. So Ziggler and rude against breaker and Ciampa. This comes ahead of roadblock on Tuesday night with the triple threat match for the NXT title. Uh, we had Ciampa nailing Ziggler on the apron and then turned around into a spine buster. So they had the heat on Ciampa uh, eventually hits an Inziguri tags and in breaker. It's a big belly to belly on Ziggler. And then Breaker runs shoulder first into the post, his official initiation onto the main roster, and was hit with a zigzag. Ciampa saved, and Rude got drilled as he was sent off the floor. Uh, Rude here having uh, flashbacks to uh, Hardcore Justice 2012. Yes. The main event. And stops the super kick, and Breaker lifts him up for the military press into the power slam. And Breaker pins Ziggler here. Not Rude taking the fall, but Ziggler, which I found to be somewhat surprising, given that uh, we've got the match tomorrow night. Um, Yeah, I suppose so. Would Rude I don't not think... be the more expendable of the two? Uh, the answer is yes, but I also don't think they give a shit. <laughs> like, it's just it's it's just NXT, right? Like, I, I don't think they care. Well, that they're putting much. a lot of attention on this. This was a commercial for Tuesday night. I suppose so, but I, I don't know if they care enough to like have Dolph Ziggler actually be perceived as a viable threat to Braun Baker's championship. Like well, I don't Rude think... should be in the match then. Um yeah, maybe. I, I want again, a viable threat in this match. Right. Well the viable threat is Tommaso Ciampa, I mean at least more so than than, you know, I think Dolph Ziggler is. But I think you know, this was an impressive raw debut for Braun Breaker. Like it fe- it feels to me like a rare case of them actually putting a lot behind a call up from NXT, making him look strong, giving him a video package, giving him some promo time. Like they gave this man, you know, the red carpet treatment as far as, you know, NXT call ups go. So um he came across, I think, decently well. Like, he does a lot of things good, you know, like, especially for somebody of his experience. I think his, um, uh, his, his, his power moves, like, look pretty good. You know, he, he looks comfortable in there, but it, he didn't get a great reaction from this crowd because he was, he's relatively new. People don't really know who he is. And I don't think he necessarily has, like, the physical charisma of, like, a Goldberg. You know, to just uh, jump out the page like that. So, but as a first debut, I thought it was perfectly fine. Yeah, they did dedicate some time to run a little feature package on him as well uh, ahead of the match. I would say that, um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting if he has more of a presence on Raw or if this was a, a one-off for now as they get through the, this roadblock. But I would say, like, Champa has become like a mainstay on Raw, and if Breaker does as well. I would say you'd certainly be looking at him being fast-tracked at that point. Yes. And Ziggler just cut a promo, says he's going to win the NXT title. No one took it seriously. Omos, this is my favorite interview on the whole show. So Omos is interviewed in the back, and we have this low-angle camera shot. And Sarah Schreiber is not on camera, so we just hear her voice. So you are assuming that Sarah Schreiber is like, 
a mouse on the floor that is interviewing this man as she delivers her questions. And her question is about Sarah Schreiber is just interrogating all of the talent who aren't booked at WrestleMania and how it's messing with their heads. And he is not waiting. He is taking his WrestleMania moment, even if he needs to annihilate everyone. He's going Mm. to steal a moment. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. You know, like the, the Andre shot, of course, is like a classic Vince Kevin Dunn thing. And, you know, usually when it's used for a walkout, I think it's fine. Yeah, but I don't. Like a, but for, for a interview, static it was, shot like this in the backstage in Gorilla in an interview, it just looks silly. Like, you know, where, why did the camera guy suddenly leave the camera on the floor like this? Especially, like, if you're trying to do an interview at the same time. I, I, I didn't think it was impressive. It just looked contrived. Yeah, and you kind of default to Sarah Schreiber, like, being behind the camera where she's, like, this, like, tiny, like, little... Like creature on the floor. That's I, I thought it was kind of goofy though the way they did this. We got an update. Bobby Lashley is still under concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. Whatever right. that means. So Omos destroyed Apollo Cruz, and this was largely just to set up Omos and Commander Aziz, if you can believe it. He just mm-hmm. stares down Aziz. Uh, Cruz tries to get off some offense, leaps off the turnbuckle, and is hit with the tree slam in 243. And Aziz is checking on Cruz and stares down Omos, who just laughs at Commander Aziz. So yeah. this is the showdown we have been waiting for. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get the sense that, I, I mean, I wouldn't trust these two in a match together, but maybe, maybe like, you know, a match that's carefully planned out. But to me, it seems more likely that this is the Andre Battle Royal showdown. Between the two giants, I think that makes a bit more sense. And again, if that makes it on the show, like remember last year they threw that thing on SmackDown. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, um, two nights. I f- you figure that there's enough time. Like they love to do their things to cram everybody on the show. But sure, maybe it's a SmackDown thing this year. Either way, uh, to me, I, I can't really see Omos doing a whole lot more besides that, and that's perfectly fine. The guy is just is still like needs a whole lot of cooking, you know with with experience before we you know get him a high profile match but watching this match was really interesting because like with the omos um gimmick you know there's so much more involvement of the production to make that illusion of him like being this capable person work you know you contrast it with any other angle like program like the, the opening tag team match for instance those are all matches like in a style of, of tv storytelling that's really just dependent on the wrestling in this Olmos match he basically is in there locks in a double arm bar hold and it's the production that tells the story around him you know via close-ups on aziz um over the shoulder shots on aziz um and just like the the work is is in the directing and it's in the camera work and it's in the blocking of these shots rather than the actual wrestling itself. And, you know, um, obviously, I think if you're listening to this podcast, you probably prefer professional wrestling be the the only thing that that's required. But I do think that, you know, they were at least able to accurate, like, like effectively create a moment between Omos and, and Aziz by the time the two of them stepped into the ring. It's it, it's different, you know, and, and it works for a certain section of the audience. Let's not bury the lead, though, that if these two had their big showdown, it's it's the Raw Underground tribute match. Yes. Baba Tunde. Right. Yeah, finally. So we got a recap of Edge's attack on AJ last week, and Edge's music plays, but then it goes out. The lights are down, 
and Edge appears under a spotlight in a suit with his hair tied up and this filter. You want to describe this that gave this very dark and I felt like I had a Randy Orton's night vision goggles on. I think it was just a purple light or purple or blue, bluish light, like similar to like the old Undertaker entrance. Okay. So Edge gets into the ring. He's very slow and methodical. And then he says, you think you know me? And he says that AJ is at home, but he tells him to put the kids and his wife to bed because they should not see this. Of course, they have uh, done the storyline that after the concertos, AJ has a neck fracture or a neck contusion, a neck contusion. Mm-hmm. Neck fracture would be tough to come back from uh, even in storyline in three weeks. So he wants the best AJ Styles. That's why he did this last week. He wants the flesh tearing pit bull. And Edge has pit discovered bull. last week. He said bulldog. Now he wants a pit bull. And he's discovered a version of himself he has never seen and a version of himself he has fallen in love with. I am in control of everything that will ever happen within this entire industry. Do you know the ground that that covers? He can control everything that's going to happen. Those TV rights deals that are coming up, all in the palm of Edge's hand. Wow. Maybe he orchestrated the Ring of Honor sale. I mean, the the tape library, um, is Ring of Honor going to get... TV, how is how are these tickets going to sell for both nights at AT and T Stadium? All Can of this restrictions in Japan, restrictions in Japan. You know NXT 2.0. What's going on with that? Um, there's there's so much that this opens up Edge's character to now that he controls everything. He is on the mountain of omnipotence, and the view is phenomenal. And I thought he was like just going to exhale and move on to his next point. He drops the mic and they just zoom into his eyes. And that was the ending here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was the debut of a new character for Edge. And I I liked it. I, I think we're seeing the next evolution of, of his career. And to me, he's a man who has who clearly thinks a whole lot about his on-screen presentation. And, you know, this was clearly his his vision um, coming out here in a brand new suit and a brand new look. I, I think it refreshes him, you know, allows us to see a different side of him that he's probably been spending a lot of time working on in his head. Yeah, um, I thought I thought it was like very heavily produced. Um I don't hate this character. It's um, it, it was just like it was very basic. Um, but maybe maybe that's what this program needs is just uh, basic. You know, you're getting a great match at, at the end of it all, and um, that was that. I think there's still some workshopping that this this new persona needs. But that was week one, the darker side of Edge. Owens is backstage, and Patrick asks him about falling short and how he has no path to WrestleMania. What is going on in your mind? And he never wants to experience that feeling he had earlier tonight. And he had an epiphany. And it's going to change his entire WrestleMania future. But he cannot share it because he still has to iron out some details. And he'll share it with everyone later tonight. What were those details he had to iron out? Mm. 
Like it sounded like this was hmm. a pretty like this was an open ended challenge. Uh, did he have to like run it by legal? Um, uh, I guess he had to, yeah, like run it by the the like Vince to see if he can even issue a, a, a KO show. Yeah, challenge. like when you issue a challenge in storyline, do you have to go to the authority and and block out? Like, do can I have a twenty minute segment at WrestleMania because I want to issue a challenge? Um, can mm-hmm. we contact like travel and? Uh, I'm imagining the conversation was Owens going to the back and saying, I know I don't have a match. I didn't qualify, but can you give me a talking segment on one of these shows? And then Vince is probably like, well, who, who do you got as a guest? I can. No one. His answer is no one. Well, I'm going to make a pitch publicly on your television show. I mean, so that's it. So Vince is probably like, if you can get Steve, if you can get Steve Austin, then yeah, you got yourself a segment. You, wouldn't you want something like in writing for for Vince? I was like, you're just gonna go out there and you're gonna you're gonna tease this. Like, what if you can't deliver it? No, I mean, well, this is valuable television time, Kevin. What can you do? So he had to iron out these details, and he had about 45 minutes to do it. Queen Zelina and Carmella against Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley. Uh, if Ripley and Morgan win, they get a tag title match at WrestleMania. Kevin Owens and Rollins, they should have been going after these women's tag titles. Way easier path to WrestleMania. Just be a tag team, yeah. Vega knocks Morgan off the apron. Uh, Ripley holds her up for a vertical and then drops Carmella with a boot. And so Vega is getting beaten down in the ring, and the tag is made to live, and Zelina fights her off and goes to her corner, but Carmella has left to go chat with Corey on the desk. So Morgan hits her with the double knees. Ripley is tagged, riptide, and pins Vega as Carmella is not paying attention. She turns around and poof. We've got a triple threat at WrestleMania. This scheduled for night two. Yes, great, awesome. It, like, how could you not get excited for something like this after a finish like that? Um, I I think you know, like when we're talking about the twenty four seven division, stupid finishes are perfectly fine. Like, I don't give a shit about that title anyway, nor anybody who's competing for that championship. But when you're talking about normally, I wouldn't give a shit about the women's titles anyway. But you have. Sasha Banks in this match. You have Naomi, who I think is a very valuable commodity in this company, in this match. And to continue to add to that show long story, or, or at least, you know, title story with bullshit finishes like this, like Carmella just simply being distracted by talking to Corey and not giving a shit about whether or not she loses the match to and have another per- another team enter the match. It just like takes my immersion completely out of the pseudo sport and certainly does not give any strength to the baby faces ahead of the title challenge. And, you know, all the, and just kind of makes the division and those titles just continue to look like a complete joke. Yeah. And I, I wonder if they'll even fit in another team beyond this. Why not? Sure. Put well, every I mean, woman in there. Like, I mean, you cares? look at someone like Alexa bliss, like they, they did all of this to bring her back at elimination chamber and she's, She's disappeared since Elimination Chamber. Yeah, I just hate it. Like, I hate it when they water down these matches like that. And you know the match is probably going to get, like, what? Like, I don't know, five minutes? Yeah. If that, you know? Like, it's going to suck. It's just going to be... I mean, it'll be entrances for whatever. It's just... It's such a waste of Sasha Banks and Naomi. Uh, They went over Damian Priest's turn on Finn Balor with the the razor's edge on the desk. And then announcing... uh, Well, what they announced earlier in the day, Vader going into the Hall of Fame... uh, Featuring, like, the three cornerstones of his career. WWF, WCW, and Boy Meets World. Yeah, and, uh, pretty much. We didn't have any Japanese footage, no uh, uh, catch with auto ones, but um, 
There you go. Finn Balor and Austin Theory for the United States Championship. Uh, last time, Theory had taken Finn out for a month. Uh, he takes the first part of this match before he's hit with a sling blade on the floor. Uh, Balor comes back after the break. Uh, Theory, at one point, did this deadlift into a fisherman buster. Goes to the ATL, but it's countered. Shotgun drop kick, and as Finn sets up for the coup de grace, Damian Priest literally appears out of nowhere. The announcers did not see him as he just, poof, appears on the apron and grabs Finn by the throat, knocks him off the turnbuckle, and the DQ is called. Uh, Priest is all dressed in black and uh, delivers his uh, his razor's edge to more booze, and then Theory hits Balor with the ATL and takes his selfies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it seems to be the program we've all, we're all expecting. I I can't say, you know, in Damian Priest's first week of being a heel, he feels remarkably different from his babyface self, um, at least not the transformation that we saw from Edge, for instance. But it, it really was just kind of this one spot. And as it exists, Balor versus Priest, I mean, it's just a match. Maybe Damian versus the Demon. Damian versus the Demon. Yeah, we shall see if they play with the, both alter egos. All in black, too, uh, Priest and Edge. So they had that down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. Then they uh, they replayed uh, Bel Air whipping Becky with the braid last week, which Corey insisted there was no manipulation of this audio. That's how it really sounded. And uh, they made no mention of uh, Becky's post that she uh, injured herself. Uh, they made some passing remark that uh, she was hurt at, at the house show on, on Sunday night. Um, she had stated it's like she, what is it, fractured her voice box? Is yeah. that what she had stated? I don't know if that's the, if that's the real reason or not, if that's uh, whatever it is, but um, enough that she was off this week and uh, they didn't. She was in the hospital. Like She posted up. a photo from the, well, allegedly from the hospital. Yes. Yeah, but hooked up to a bunch of shit. So, mm. um, and then Kevin Patrick just interviewed Bel Air and asked the question that everyone wants to know. Will you use your hair as a weapon at WrestleMania? She said the one rule she has is do not touch my hair. And if you didn't know this rule, she now has a t-shirt that reads, thou shalt not touch my hair. So now everyone knows. It's it's a commandment. Uh, I suppose so. Yeah, to her. Okay. Yes. Kevin Owens comes out for the final segment. He has a issue. He's going to issue a challenge, and he wants to have the biggest and most stupendous KO show in the history of WrestleMania. Has there ever been a KO show in the history of WrestleMania? Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. Not sure. I mean, there was the one year he was just left off the show entirely. Yeah. Uh, has there been a KO show? Uh, I don't think there has been. So he's going to invite some lowlife from Texas to be his guest. He could invite JBL, but says the horns on his limo would be more interesting. Booker T claims to be from Texas, yet I watched him in a team for years as Harlem Heat, and then he had a British accent. So you're a hypocrite. Shawn Michaels is a legend, a very proud Texan, but as a Canadian, it would be sacrilegious as a fan of Bret Hart to have you as my guest. So the perfect guest that embodies Texas a man that is a broken down shell of his former self living on past glory. That's probably let himself go drinking beer. His knees were so shot in his heyday that he needed knee braces to get through his matches. Might need a walker just to get down the ramp at WrestleMania and someone I would love to give a stunner and then pour a glass of milk over his lifeless body. He's going to kill the guy. Kevin Owens is calling out stone cold, Steve Austin and Corey Graves says it's been 19 years. Could it be? 
could it be? And then the graphic has Kevin Owens and Steve Austin with a question mark and the KO show logo. Could it be? Could it be? Yeah, that could is he like show up and stun someone? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Matt Hahn has something to say with a $5 super chat that fits here. He says graphics people in the, in the WWE work quick. KO issues the invite and immediately the graphic is made and he already has a spot on night two. Yeah, they okay, wait, 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 wait. He had some loose ends to tie up. You know, in WWE, you go to that graphics department and then it's solidified. Pretty much, yeah. That's what he was firming up. So if he doesn't get Austin, what's his backup plan? Uh, Dwayne Gill. Okay. All right. This is kind of like that year when, like, you know, I think, like, uh, John Cena was, was working on getting, like, Fabulous and Jay-Z for that WrestleMania segment. and that yeah, Okay, a cardboard out. cutout. That could be the backup. Cardboard a Steve cutout. Austin cardboard cutout. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, well, there you go. That that was raw. So we uh, we have three more episodes until WrestleMania, and to look at the the updated lineup. So night one has Becky Lynch against Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair against Ronda Rousey in our two women's championship matches, Ray and Dominic against The Miz and Logan Paul, and Drew McIntyre against Happy Corbin. So that is night one. Night two has Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, winner take all. Queen Zelina and Carmella against Sasha and Naomi and Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan. Sami Zayn against Johnny Knoxville. Pat McAfee against Austin Theory. And Edge versus AJ Styles on night two. Um, the RK Bro match um, will be on one of those nights, and we still need opponents for them. So um, there you go. That is – what do you think about this, these two nights, Way? Uh, it, it's looking weaker and weaker by the by – the- the show by the episode, you know, I think promises of like, you know, seeing a Steve Austin match that doesn't seem to be happening. Uh, whatever uh, I think fans were expecting with Cody Rhodes, I mean, may or may not happen, maybe leaning more towards no at this point. And I think it's also looking like Vince McMahon's involvement, I mean, is, is going to be more diminished than maybe some of us had expected. Um, so and the rest of the show, you're really just kind of left with like, you know, a bunch of celebrity bullshit things. And then uh, Happy Corbin and Drew McIntyre and just a tag team match that nobody can care about. Pat McAfee, you know, like it, it doesn't look great. I've got to say, like splintering them into two nights like you really have um, thus far. It's yeah, it's it, it's not blowing me away. Um Mm-mm. But it's it's not so much you're looking at quality, it's it's hype that they can create for these two shows. And But even the hype, it's like, I think they're just, I mean, it's too much celebrity sh- stuff, you know? Johnny Knoxville and Pat McAfee having, like, you know, singles matches. And the McAfee one, I think, will, will be fine. But, like, is it going to make me want to spend that much money? Like, I like, mean, like, McAfee and Austin Theory on its own, like, that that's not moving anything. Like, no. if you do not have Vince as a big part of that, like... That's kind of like your your holy shit match, just in terms of what the hell is going to happen mm-hmm. um, among a sea of holy like what the hell is going to happen types of matches, right? I guess so. But I there's just so. too too many of them, and 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 I think you know the only like Edge versus AJ, I think that's going to deliver. Uh, Brock versus Roman, there's some interest. You know, it's a long term story that they've been telling. It, it's it's been built up pretty big. I, I I do feel that's that's going to feel very big. But I'm also curious, like how how long that one goes like this is built up like that's got to follow yeah. everything i mean they might not be following uh the, the biggest uh wrestlemania of all time but mm-hmm. like that's you, you can't just do your brock six seven minutes in that one and yeah. you know you, you have to do a real match 
And, you know, Bianca Belair versus uh, 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 Becky Lynch. I mean, that to me is is the the one anchor of of night one that I think is is the match that just feels like it actually has substance. You know, Ronda is going to be a spectacle as well, but again, it's like I, I feel like you know, it's it's the type of show where they're caring so much about buzz outside of their circle of wrestling fans that they've already acquired that by the end of it, that's kind of all you're left with with these shows is like, you know, mainstream names that um, vary in terms of levels of experience in ring. And in terms of substance, I I don't think as much. It it feels like the culmination of like this, you know, almost weekly problem we talk about when it comes to creating stars. And now here is our big show and we have to go the gimmick route in so many different directions and they'll get by like they have sold a lot of tickets for WrestleMania. This is not going to bomb, but I feel it is going to be more pronounced than other years in terms of that WrestleMania hangover after where so much of your television attention has been dedicated to characters that are going to be gone or diminished after WrestleMania that are not going to be as as prime focus uh, Rousey being one exception that we do know she is sticking around, but mm-hmm. it, it's just a larger issue of creating like that, that foundation that you can do a few gimmicks that enhance your overall product. But it is that, that core that I think this really does expose in particular when you're splitting it into two nights and, and you see the lengths that they have to go to. Right. Yeah. Well, part of me wonders if this was one night, if we'd get, you know, if we'd keep the celebrities or if we would get, you know, keep the wrestling itself. Um, Like, you know, if this was reduced to a one night match or one night show, like what are the matches that you think they would be keeping? I think you would have um, I I think when it comes to Knoxville or Logan Paul, you probably make a call on on what's what's more valuable to to your show at that point. You think they would actually make that call and not keep both of them i i don't know if the the two of them are and what of pat mcafee um i i don't think pat mcafee at least with austin theory uh i I don't think that adds a whole lot at all in terms of right now now we have four weeks and they could make that a major program not major but a bigger program on smackdown if you have something significant involving vince mcmahon where it elevates that program because on its own yeah that that to me does not um, scream anything of substance. Like I don't think Austin Theory. I mean, is Adam taken. Cole versus Pat McAfee to me was a bigger match. Yeah, like honestly, I, I think you, it, like you're picking someone in Austin Theory that's you know not has kind of just been marginalized in a, in a certain role for for this amount. Oh, of time. he lost in ninety seconds. Yeah, I mean, if it was one night way, we would we would probably be getting, um, either one of those marathon shows, which they've really gotten away from, or a lot of people would not be making the card. Or you'd be throwing them into a battle royal or something like that. Right. Well, let us uh, move on, and we will take some feedback here. You can always leave your feedback at forum.postwrestling.com, and then we'll uh, quickly go over some of the uh, schedule notes for this week on the site. We start off with uh, MJ from NJ says that that had to be one of the most confusing announcements going off the air with Corey Graves saying we haven't seen Austin in 19 years, except it was an invite to be on a talking segment. We've seen him do plenty of that, and they just happened to have the date set, but it's a question mark in the graphic. It's these things that drive me nuts because beyond bad creative, this is insulting a fan base with silly promotional tactics that don't really make sense. Also, Cole would have handled that so much better. Mm. Referring to Michael Cole. Uh, Kate from Montreal says revolution last night was five hours long and was somehow still shorter than raw tonight. 
I'm not sure what the point of putting the tag titles on RK Bro was, or seemingly breaking up Owens and Rollins. Okay, we know short term why Owens is getting hived off on his own for Mania, but what about after? I've been enjoying the tag division dynamics on Raw lately, and this show seemed to throw them all off. Uh, we go on to Alexander from Portland. A fine show tonight. The triple threat tag was fun to watch. Seeing Orton call Riddle his friend felt like one of the best feel-good moments Raw's had in a while. Besides that, I like seeing Dana Brooke get a fair pop. It's nice WWE is actually giving her an interesting story. For a show with no Lesnar or Lynch, this wasn't too bad. And finally, we got a mugging who says the triple threat tag match was a blast. All six men worked their tails off, and the commentary did a solid job of making it feel important. The Edge promo, no alter bridge, pyro, or feeding off an audience was intriguing. I want to see how AJ will respond. Yeah, we don't have Edge's big uh, entrance anymore. Give it to me! Is this going to be his entrance going forward? Like, just silence, walking out with that light? Um, that's, that's what it felt like. I mean, for this hmm. character, it really doesn't fit the, the music. Yeah, totally. I like it. I like it. I mean, it's like, um, they, we haven't had a silent entrance in the WWE. It feels like since who was the last person somebody came out with nothing. Baron Corbin with when he couldn't afford music. <laughs> that's right. Well, maybe, maybe Edge is having financial uh, problems and maybe, yeah, maybe that's, that's going to be another wrinkle to the, this, this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes. Yeah. I, I didn't even notice that on the graphic at the end. So they are plugging the Owens Austin thing for the Saturday night specifically. So they have announced that. So there you go. That was uh that was raw. And uh, coming up this week, uh, way and I are going to be back on Tuesday night with rewind away. And I know way way has been so excited. He has been texting me all weekend. It's like, can we do the review now? I say, wait, we got to wait. We got to wait till Tuesday. It is TNA Hardcore Justice 2012. Now, I know what you're saying at home. Oh, my God. That show brings back so many memories. Well, yes, the summer of 2012 featured something called the Bound for Glory series. It was in its second year. The first year was an, an abysmal failure. So they brought it back the second year. And that is what is at stake, folks. Uh, points being distributed for the chance to challenge for the championship at Bound for Glory. So we get three multi-man stipulation matches involving all of the participants in the Bound for Glory series. We get a Falls Count Anywhere match with Mr. Anderson, Rob Van Dam, and Magnus. We get a tables match involving Bully Ray, James Storm, Jeff Hardy, and Robbie E. Mm -hmm. The guy from Jersey Shore. And then a ladder match involving AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Kurt Angle, and Samoa Joe. An unbelievable array of talent in a ladder match that I guarantee you 99% of the audience has zero memory of this. And it is all headlined by Austin Aries defending the TNA title against Bobby Roode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, You know, we also have Kaz versus Devon in this one. We've got Madison Rain versus Miss Tessmacher and Zima Ion. Uh, what, what is his name? Uh, Joaquin Wilde taking on Kenny King. Look at this. The creator of the original Ring of Honor logo, Zima Ion. There you go. So that is going to be reviewed on Tuesday. That will be available for all Post Wrestling Cafe members. And then uh, we are back live here on this channel uh, Tuesday at 1 Eastern for the Post Daily News Show. We'll be live uh, each weekday. Uh, at 1 Eastern, and then Wednesday night at 10.15 Eastern following Dynamite and the fallout from Revolution where they are in uh, Estero, Florida. Cool. At the, the Hertz Arena. 
Wow, it's a cool sounding uh, building in a cool sounding city. Yes, uh, so that that is all coming up. We've got the British Wrestling Experience dropping on Thursday, a long and winding Royal Road uh, with WH Park uh, that is coming out this weekend as they are going to be reviewing Kenta Kobashi and Jun Akiyama against Takeo Omori and Yoshihiro Takeyama from October of 1999. So that is your homework for the week uh, to watch that match. So a lot of great stuff coming at postwrestling.com. If you want to uh, support the site and get uh, a minimum of two bonus shows per week, you can sign up at postwrestling.com cafe.com uh, that includes rewind away and the entirety of rewind to smackdown each and every friday night yeah as well you can get your daily news updates directly in your rss feed that's custom for every single person who signs up immediately after we're finished them every single day so there you go uh give a thumbs up on the video subscribe to the channel here at post wrestling and that is going to wrap things up for rewind a raw